Katene is joined by multidisciplinary artist, storyteller and taongapuro practitioner Te Kahurere Moa Taumata no Ngāti Kahungunu me Ngāti Tuwharetoa. With a love for sound and a strong connection to Te Taiao, Te Kahurere Moa chats about cultural influences, her passion for sharing mātauranga through kōrero pūrākau and her own creative musical endeavours with taongapuro. E te iwi, whakarongo mai rā. Whakarongorā tāne te tokorangi ki te whio whio rau katauri ki te waio hine ki te ororuarangi ki te kōkiri haimata. Whakarongorā ki te huangungurū ki te huangongorō ki te oroparia tangaroa hine moke moke. Pāheko heko atu ko te tuki o nga mata kia hau i te rongo taketake tū te manawaru, tū te manawaroa, tū te manawaoro, haumi e hui e, tāiki e. Ano reira kei taku hoa, nau piki mai, nau haramai ki tēnei wānanga tāua. Nau haramai ki tēnei wānanga kia, kia toha toha atu. Ene mo mahua tanga akui mā koroma. Nō reira ki, kei taku kōpara tū whārangi, kei taku korokoro tūi. Tēnā koe. Kia ora, tēnā koe hoa. O te rā ki te hunga whakarongo, tēnā koutou. Ko wai koe. Tēnā whakamohia mai ko wai koe nō hea koe. He kahungunu, he tūwhare toa hau. Ko te kahurere moa hau. Te kahurere moa taumata. I tupu mai au ki Wainiomata, ki te whanganui ātara. I kurai nga hau ki Tarawhanui, kura kaupapa Māori o ngā kōhanga reo o te awakairangi, ki te kura tuarua hoki o Hatohoepa, he māma a hau, e ruaku tamahine, ko Eva Teowai, ko Piata Nien, he ringatoi, he kaiwaiata, he kaikōrero pūrākau, he wahine Māori. Tēnā koutou. Tēnā koe, tēnā koe, kōrero, kōrero. Yeah, welcome to this wānanga. Yeah, I'm excited, thank you. Awesome. First of all, let's get a bit of a picture of who is te kahurere mua taumata and you know, mahanga pukenga. Mm. And so the first thing I wanted to do was to basically explore your origin story, mm. you know, where your ngākau nui came from and, mm. and this mahi that we both love. Mm. Kōrero, kōrero. My origin story, I love telling people this story because I actually have made up like a little bit of mythology around my own origin story. <laughs> okay, so I introduced myself as te kahurere mua, but I was actually born... Te Kahumata Momoi. Did you know that? Mm, I think I did, actually. Yeah. I was given that name at birth. I was supposed to be a boy. And then when I came out with a tara, <laughs> <laughs> they still gave me the name that was intended for me if I was a boy. Te Kahumata Momoi. And I had a crooked finger. <laughs> this is important. My right pinky was crooked. And I opted to have it amputated when mm-hmm. I was 14. And that also happened to be the year that my dad asked me if I wanted to change my name to Te Kahurere Moa. It had been a decision that never quite sat right with him. 
you know, my name being Te Kahumata Momoi, even though we are Tarawa Waka, we're not from, we're not Tarawa mm. Iwi, no. but I still kind of went with the decision to name me Te Kahumata Momoi. And then as I got older and started to become a woman, my dad was just like, hmm, mm. I feel like we should change your name. And, you know, in Te Māori, changing your name, taking on a new name is kind of like nothing new to us. Mm. It's a practice that we've done for years. So it was like a really comfortable decision to come to. And being 14, I was like, can I pick my own middle name? (laughs) (laughs) But I went through such crazy middle names, like I wanted to call myself Blaze. (laughs) (laughs) But then I settled on my middle name being Teopira, which is my mum's maiden name. Mm. That's our ingwa whanau from Kahunganu. And then the year I got my finger amputated was also the year I officially changed my name to Te Kahurere Moa. And I believe that that was like I was just fated to be, and this is how I'm known today, Te Kahurere Moa, the four-fingered storyteller. And it's part of my storyteller persona. Mm. I was always, I believe now, just thinking about, you know, the way that I grew up, the influences and music that I had, Māori music especially, I was just always going to be a puoro player. I was Mm -hmm. always going to be a storyteller. I just have always been so attracted to music, oro, and kōrero pūrāko. And like, as a child, I was fed because we grew up katorika, but like heaps of other Māoris, we had hāhi and like our heathen stuff fed to us, (laughs) like so normally. And I will say for Tehahi Katorika, mean stories. Jesus was mean. He had mean as stories. And so my upbringing had a lot of like Western influences. I knew a lot about, you know, I had a baby Bible. So mm. I would read the Bible as much as I would read Maui stories. I would read about the Greek gods as much as I would read about Atua Māori. So I feel like in a way it kind of set me up to be able to sniff out, you know, colonisation and some of our pūrāko because I was fed both of those things. And I think it's kind of set me up to sniff out colonisation and some of our kōrero pūrāko because it's prevalent. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, that's an important thing we need to to think about. And when we're journeying through te tohatohatuvinga pūrāko is that, you know, there are some of the messages there that we need to rethink. Um, also speaks to the lenses that people were telling our stories with at the time, you know. Mm. You know, what the early missionaries did was they did take our stories and then kind of like mash them up with mm. the word of God. And that was how, you know, just the amazing storyteller skills that they had. But it's meant that some of the stories that have been passed down in the way that we do have that, yeah, have that thread of colonialism in yeah, them. The yeah, the colonial flavour. Yeah. yeah. That's not the nicest flavour. <laughs> oh, <are> we? <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So what I want to do now is just to basically explore Tangupuro, because this is something that we both adore and love in the practice, Mm. whereas my focus is slightly different from other people's. And Mm. I wanted to explore where your ngako sits Mm. and where your puku sits in terms of this great wide thing that is Tangupuro. There are so many different aspects to it in the practice itself, from weaving to carving to storytelling to to the musical side Mm. of things. So let's start off here by just exploring which parts of mm. this awo puro really resonate for you. Okay, I want to say like straight off the bat, everything. Mm. But I think, you know, ko ngā kōreroa ngā atua Māori, mm. kei reira taku I think that's en mm. That is like just the core of it. I think the simplest core is that my heart is with our atua Māori and te taiau. And I think the beauty of taonga puro is that that's where all our instruments come from, mm. our atua and te taiau. 
and that's how our instrument, you know, where that they're made from the materials from those places. Mm. And I'll tell you, one of the most profound things that I've ever been told and that I've held on to my entire adult life and pretty much through my journey in Taungapuru. It was actually at Yomarai, at Hongweka. Mm. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the uncles mm. from around the pa that came and we were having a, a wānanga at Hongweka. It was many, many years ago, probably about mm, 15 years ago. Mm. And one of the uncles came in on our Puropuraki day. Yeah. And we were just all checking out. And then he was just kind of like sitting in the corner and he was really inspired by listening to us talk about our experiences of the weekend and wānanga about Puro. And then he said, I'm probably going to butcher what he said, but he said, our atua haven't stopped talking to us. We've just forgotten how to listen. And he said, just go outside mm. and be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> no ki waho. And something about just him saying that at the end of this wānanga, it changed me. So simple, but yeah. it did. It changed me. Absolutely. It changed the way that I I am outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And honestly, how I approach pūroas, I have almost religious faith. It's not the same because I don't worship our atua in the same way that, you know, other people worship their gods. But I have just a well of faith mm. in our taiao. To me, they have God status. To me... The moana is a god, like to our people. Yeah, and there's so much for us to learn and there's so much that they're saying to us yeah, all, the time. all the time. If Yoda. you just go out there and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a really, really good point. You know, there's one of the things about atua Māori is mm. when we think about the whakaaro behind our atua and the taiao, mm. we directly whakapapa back to the yes. taiao. So that's one of the connections that we've lost. That's actually a really beautiful thing to hear as well because you know, sometimes we forget that in our practices. And I wouldn't even say lost. Do you know, I'd say distracted. Mm, kia ora. Life is so complicated. You know, in our living memory, I feel like it hasn't been as complicated as it is now. Mm. And there's so many things to keep us from being outside without shoes on. Mm. And, you know, I don't think that our people are lost. I think that our people are just distracted or trying ferociously to make their way back. Mm. And, you know, the impacts of colonisation set up all these roadblocks. Mm. So... I don't want our people out there to think that they are lost. You are found, my G. <laughs> we know where you are. <laughs> I see you. Yeah. <laughs> it's more just making the commitment to go outside and it's intentional. Do it now before the parkers start giving it new names, like taking your shoes off is now called grounding. Mm. You know, yeah. we need to reclaim. This is part of Land Back, the reclamation of our traditional practices demystifying them, giving atua status back to our taiao. I think there's a way for the future. We know this as Indigenous people and part of my practice as a puro practitioner mm. is to just make that real simple for our people, make it accessible. I just feel like I always want to be available to our people and be like, nah, you can. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. It's a really profound way to look at how we approach the taiao and just being, yep. you know, just go and just be. Yep. And in my practice, that's a really important thing as well is mm. you know, feel the spray mm. of the sea on your mm. skin and that, that for me is a spiritual moment. Mm. Oh, and I think it's really important for us to make that connection with being still in our environment, especially in my practice and mm. just being, you know, just sit there, be still, yeah. uh, quiet your mind and be is, is really important.
what I'd like to do now is just to explore where these fakaro, where these philosophies that you apply to your practice have led you and where your area of expertise has developed over the years. Because mm. let's not mince words, you know, you're an expert in these different fields. So where do you see these skill sets and your expertise having mm. developed throughout your journey? Yeah, I'd also just like to say just right off the bat, I'm not a scholar. So mm. I feel like I have quote unquote mātauranga that isn't the same as a scholarly person mm. that's gone to university. I'm the school of life. And I've spent a lot of time over the last, I think it's been about 17 years since I started playing or like seriously. Mm. And so I have my own ways of like collecting mātauranga from others and it's not the same as a scholar, but I think there's merit. Absolutely. Oh, I know there's merit in the ways that some of us choose to do it outside of formal schooling institutions. Mm. So my areas that I love and that I've dedicated my life to mm. studying and unravelling is in Kōrero Pūrāko and the performance of Taonga Pūro, which I feel like performance is a, a thing unto itself and probably an area of Taonga Pūro that gets a lot of attention mm. because the performer is the rep mm. <laughs> in a way and how we practice and how we've seen Puro in this day and age, especially in the last 30 years in the revival period, is we've seen Puro, Taonga Puro performed. Yeah, kia ora. And I'm just suited to performance, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> that kahungunu swag. <laughs> yeah, got that kahungunu swag. And it's something that doesn't scare me. Like, mm. I was scared about being on this podcast, but chuck me up in front of like hundreds of people to tell a story and it's yeah. it's easy to me and I guess like I sort of came to performance just based on the fact that I knew I could do it and mm. why not hone the skills that I already had yeah, so I feel like the performance aspect came before I really established myself as a kaikorero pūrāko and it's been a style that I've been in development of for years mm. I will say about storytelling is it something I've kind of just had to develop on the fly because there aren't very many storytelling mm. practitioners, indigenous storytelling practitioners, especially here in Aotearoa and especially wahine. Mm. So I have met other storytellers over the years, but the practice that I've developed has been from going out and telling stories and I'm like this close. My fingers are really close together for everyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> but I feel like because of the time that I've spent being a kanohikita as a storyteller and going out and actually wherever there are people with ears mm. and hearts, I'll tell stories. And so I feel like I'm ready to start sharing some of the things, you know, some of the little notes and things that I've learned about storytelling. But I think also I really want to meet other storytellers, other yeah. Indigenous storytellers. I feel like I want to go around the Pacific and meet storytellers from around the Pacific because I think that that would also just add so much depth and richness to the pūrāko that I already have in my kete. But I say this to you a lot, I feel like my answers are in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the extension of my practice in storytelling, I'd like to build on the stories that I already know by getting more of those clues in from our cousins in the Pacific. And in there, I've been learning Olelo Hawaii, and I'm about to start learning Samoan in a couple of months, 
one of the things I think that has helped me as a storyteller has been the fact that I can call it all Māori. Mm. And I think being able to understand our language means that I can, you know, in researching and learning about some of our stories, the extra, the kurahuna are in te reo. Because that's the way that we hid some of our stuff. Absolutely. From the colonisers. And so it's given me this added depth that I know that if I want answers in the Pacific, I'm going to have to speak their deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a real homage to the practices, mm. you know, to learn their deal so that yes. you can contribute and learn from their yes. practices in their own deal. Yes. You know, and that's like a symbol of respect for people that are entering Te Ao Māori yeah. and entering into Mātauranga Māori spaces. You really can't get an understanding of the Mātauranga and the practices without a grasp on the deal. Mm. One of my base philosophies is that, you know, a lot of our cultural philosophies are hidden within the deal. Yes. And our scientific processes mm. are disguised as cultural practices. Yes. And so that's one of the great things. So let's dive a bit deeper into Puraka. This is a really important thing for us moving forward in terms of not just puro, but also with everything that we do. Mm. So the indigenous peoples all around the world are the original storytellers. Yes. And it was an art form. It was a way of life and not just for the passing on of knowledge, but, mm. you know, mm. telling stories, you know, I think they term it our creation mythologies and stuff nowadays. But when you start breaking down the matauranga that is hidden inside these puraka, mm. there's some really beautiful and deep stuff that, oh, hell yes. that really connects us to our taiatua atua mm-hmm. and how we view the world. Yes. I've seen you deliver a couple of puraka, and one of them that I really, really enjoy is the puraka of Hineputehue. Yes, one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah, talk to me about that puraka and the way that I've seen you deliver it, there's obviously a lot of love and passion towards mm. that puraku. Yeah. It also, you know what, something I'll say is I don't always tell the story the same thing. This mm. is a part of my belief as a practiced storyteller mm. is that it's the storyteller's prerogative to shape the lens of how the story is told. So depending on, and another practice of a storyteller is that you look your audience in the eyes. Mm. It's not a theatre show. You're not pretending to be someone else. You are the story. Oh, well, I do pretend to be Nam, but do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking at my audience and meeting their eyes so I can make a lot of, I guess, creative calls in that moment. And it's from looking at whoever's in front of me Mm. helps me make decisions in that moment as to how I tell the story. Yeah, it's almost like interactive when when you're on the spot as opposed to just putting something rehearsed and just doing it. Because I do spend a bit of time in rehearsal or thinking about how I want to tell the story But everybody that knows me or that has worked with me in storytelling knows that I make the decision in the moment. A lot of calls, that's part of the storyteller's thing is you have to be, Mm. think on your feet quickly. You have to respond to who's there gathered because otherwise you're just telling stories to a mirror, my G, and Mm. that's boring. It's boring. You're telling stories to people. So I've forgotten what you've asked because I went on a tangent. <laughs> Part of the wānanga is just, you know, we, we, what we do is we just call it all about stuff. Okay, so pūtehue, pūtehue, I remember. It all. Yeah. Well, I'm drawn to this story because ugh, I don't know if I should tell the story. Part of me feels like don't explain it, tell the story. I'll tell you a quick version for anyone that's listening, just because I'd like for you to understand what we're talking about so you don't miss anything. Also, you can go and have a look at my Instagram page and I tell stories all the time. So, pūtehue. 
Putehue is the daughter of Tane Mahuta and our creation story after the separation of Ranginui and Papatuanuku, there was a great war between all of the Atua. Mm. It was Tafiri Matea that was warring against the rest of their whānau. Tafiri Matea was angry at the separation of their parents, so they sent forth a huge storm to tear apart Tao Marama, the newly formed world of light. And every Atua fought back with all of the powers of their realms to no avail. Mm-hmm. Some stories say that it was Tumatawinga that bested Tafiri, but the story that I tell is that there was nothing that they could do. Tafiri mm. Matea's storm was too big, too powerful that it was likely to be destroyed the world. Mm. And so Tane Mahuta charged his daughter, Putehue, with the responsibility of bringing peace mm. to the Fenua again. And what she did was she took in a huge breath. She inhaled the tempest and she held it within her puku. Her puku became round. That's why Hue have those delicious, round, womanly bodies. Mm. Uh, she held the storm within herself and then she exhaled. And when Putehue exhaled, it was a beautiful sound that was so calming that she brought peace back to Taumarama. Mm, and that's Putehue's story. And I tell it depending on, again, like I said, who is in front of me, I tell it different. But I think this is a story everybody can relate to this, mm. that feeling of taking in or holding rage. Either who are you in this story? Are you Tafiri mm. or are you Putehue? Because yeah. both of those capabilities are in you. Are you the storm? Because yeah. if you're going to be the storm, girl, you bring the peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when we break down the Purako, there's so much we can learn from oh, it. Oh, And that's what I absolutely love about them. And also when you hear different versions of the story, there's more kurahuna to be found. Because mm. I, one of the other things I do as a practitioner is I don't discount anyone's version of Kilda. a story. Yeah. I tell my version, the way that I was taught, the way that I have put them together. But that's the beauty of Absolutely. coming from an oral culture, mm. our oral histories. And it's a practice. I just like to discourage our people from trying to tell other people that their pūrāko is wrong or that you never change a pūrāko. No way, key, bro. Because our people are adaptable. There is absolutely no way that you can tell me that someone wouldn't have put their own 11 yeah. herbs and spices. <laughs> like, we're too adaptable. Mm. We're too imaginative for one stagnant way of being. So I would mm. like to encourage our people in future going forward that, you know, pūrāko, however they're told, are relevant. Even if you're telling a colonised version, yeah. because you'll know when you hear other stories, be mm. open to hearing more than just one version. You close yourself off mm. if you're only listening to one version and you honestly are believing that that's, there's only one way. Absolutely. And that's not how we roll as the Māori. No, Maori, that sounds like you know? white supremacy to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of, the, one of the beautiful things that I love about the Māori is our iwi individuality. You know, yes. that's the people Kia have ora. different versions of stories. And one of the hard things about being a storyteller mm. is making sure people understand that these are my stories yes. that I've been taught. Yes. Um, when I'm in Wānanga and we start talking about whakairo, etc., there are about three or four different versions of no, the, yeah. the, the Pupuke story. And it's so beautiful to see different iwi whakaro that are brought to the world of light through their stories. It's also what makes conversations more yummy, like Mm. chewing the fat with your bro and they 
bring forth another mm. version that you never had and it blows your mind yeah, and, you know, yeah. for the next three weeks, that's all you can think <laughs> about. Like that sort of stuff sets me on fire. So mm. I feel like some of the best learnings that I've had and the things that change me as a storyteller come from those chewing the fat mm. moments with my homies, yeah, with my tuakana, and that's just how I roll. I'm literally that person that everywhere I go, I'll ask a person, you know, if I look at them and I'm like, I feel like this person might have a good story <laughs> to tell me. I'll beeline for a person and mm. then ask them questions like a real life interview mm. and write down notes. Yeah, and I think that's one of the beautiful things, especially here in Tupuko Teika, mm. where we have quite a, a wide range of practitioners mm. in Tangapuro and yes. we have different backgrounds and different focuses and yes. one of the things that I love is getting someone's perspective that is different to mine. Yes. Almost I think like, that's why we're good homies. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's part of how I grow in terms of mm. what I'm doing. So the art form of telling Purako and telling stories is something that I've really been inspired by lately mm. because you know there's a the way that I've done it for you know 15, 20 years mm. and it's basically to the point where I still feel this connection with this Purako. This is the way I tell it but I really want to explore the telling of it. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite mm. whakatauki is a hereanga hano te rā ki te tenga o te korokoro. And this talks about binding the rays of the sun yes. to the base of your throat so that ke whakamahana ya rātou yes. te unga whakarongo. Yes, yes. And, and koe rā te mahi o te kai kōrero purākau, 100%. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and so I've really been inspired by people such as yourself who, mm. who take the tuku of the purāko mm. and make it something beautiful. Yeah. So there's something that I've been really gravitating towards. The whakatauki that I have for my practice mm. is also shame. We made up our own whakatauki. Kōrero, <laughs> kōrero. <laughs> oh man, I'm quoting myself. How embarrassing. But okay, but it, it's true. It's something that I like hold in the pit of my puku and it goes, He puna mā tauranga te kōrero purākau. Ireira ka puawai a hinengaro ka pohewa heauke. So the art of storytelling is a well of knowledge, and it's there that we can imagine new worlds, mm. basically. Absolutely. And that's a thing as a storyteller. Oi, I know I'm doing a really good job of telling stories as if people start to look past me mm. and I can see that they're... There's something going they're the, on. No, yeah. that they can... I can see the storytelling world. Yeah. So, yeah, it's to remind me because I feel it's a huge cultural responsibility too. Mm. Absolutely. Well, remember whakaukitauaki... Uh, so we've talked about the storytelling aspect of your practice and yeah. I just wanted to talk about the performance side which mm. if we check out your Instagram like you plugged earlier oh, I was actually thinking I have animations of the three main stories that I tell I pretty mm. much have a kete full of stories but I tell three pretty mm. much just like I've got a kete full of puro and I play three yeah, pretty much yeah that's <laughs> I'll say let's take a step back into the performance side of things yes. what inspires you in the performance what is your focus and when you're performing and you're accompanying with Taungapuro mm. and maybe with voice or with Poyata and Motetea Pau, Turani. Where's your focus for, for that side of things? It's, oh, everywhere and yeah. all of those things. In terms of the explorations, mm. I don't like limiting myself or restricting myself. 
I'm inspired by just sound in general. I think I'm a real sound nerd. Mm. Puro players are sound nerds. Absolutely. Kia koutou, te hunga whakarongo. If you are a puro nerd or you know one, you'll know that we can spend ages just rubbing on a rock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Taking some bones. <laughs> no, just but, stop dead still in the middle of the yes. street because a stone on your foot <laughs> made a really good sound. <laughs> But yeah, it's that, I love that nerdy stuff, just the pure like visceralness of mm. sound and getting down and dirty in the mud. Mm. I have so many things that I want to achieve, or oh, not achieve, but explore. It's not goal orientated. It's just, I am just feel drawn to doing heaps of things and mm. I haven't run out of exploration. So yeah, I like to just explore with sound, but in terms of uh, taonga puro, like I love composing for mainstream music. Mm. I love doing soundscapes for art installations. I love holding ceremonial side of puro because that stuff is happening way more often now. There yeah. are more taonga puro in hands than ever before. And so I've been seeing in our urban spaces and our urban pōhiri people rocking up with mm. pōro. Yeah, so I'm just interested in every single, I'm a busybody, in every <laughs> single place that it can go and be, I kind of want to be a part of all of it. <laughs> 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 but there's also the stuff like the loop machines that you oh, use. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I use taonga pūro to accompany my own music mm. um, and the explorations that I want to make as a singer-songwriter which is different. So all of these ways that I approach puro are all kind of like different hats that I wear because they all require different things. For example, you know, using it in my own music, I've been really into developing my oro as mm. a recognisable oro. You know yeah, this as one of my things now that there are so many of us playing is and starting to recognise the different manu mm. in the in the wow. And something that I talk about is developing my own style and my own melody so that whenever I play... <laughs> yeah, you, you hear it, you know it. <laughs> People know, but it's, it's a little bit of a flex, but more I think what it is is just to start to encourage those little manufakatangi to come forward with their recognisable ways. Yeah, this is going to be so dope for our mokos in the future, Ehuama. This yeah, is the driver. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is leaving little clues for our mokos. Mm. And I think that's part of the beauty about the stage that we're at within yes. the Puro journey is yes. that we know with the revival side of things is kind of on the wane yes. and we're now with the Puawaitanga. Oh. You know, and we have so many different tawira that are hungry to learn yes. and each of them has their own specific little ways in which they approach playing. Mm. It's like there's the Mayangi Nui crew here. Yes, eh? You know, yes. there's that flutter that you yes. do for the Oruarangi. Yes. As soon as I hear that, I know you guys are playing. Yes. yes. <laughs> I reckon what we're doing at the moment is really just developing really our iwi, even our rohe, because mm. we don't all live in our iwi rohe, mm. but there's going to be specific Kia sounds. Ora. And I think that Te Whanganui Atara <laughs> is a really exciting place for Tongapuro at ora. the moment. You know, Te Whanganui Atara is a super arty place and mm. there's lots of puro nerds here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like Tuakana, that's another thing, is that there's heaps of us Tuakana mm. here, which I think we've all got really good relationships here yeah. too, a really strong network of people. Absolutely. And the cool thing I like about this crew here in Te Whanganui Atara is that there's like such a wide variety of the different skills that, yes. you know, the tawira here get to learn from people who are focused on different aspects. Yes. And, you know, Scholars. Kia whakawhanui yaki o rātou. 
maramatanga. Ai. Well, while we're on the topic of your music and the, mm. the corridor and uh, singer songwriter thing, <laughs> so I hear there's magic in the mix. <gasps> yeah. So, yeah. Well, my debut album. I know I've been playing music for so long, and this is my debut album. Such a mildy way of doing things too. Mm. Like already do my album like way <laughs> later into my career. <laughs> yeah, I've spent the better part of last year working on my album with an amazing producer, Neil McLeod. Shout outs to Neil. Dear Neil. So because I'm a Puro player, we did something you you probably haven't heard Puro used like this before. Mm. I think. I mean, I'd like to say that I have a good awareness of the types of music that okay. are happening here in Aotearoa, also in Puoro world, I think is it even smaller. So okay. I don't want to call it too soon, but mm. I think what's exciting about this project is that it's Puoro presented in a different way. Even though I am singing on most of my album, there's one track that's purely instrumental. It's called mm. Patupairi here. Mm. And it is exactly that. Like, <laughs> it's an enchanted forest where you get drawn in by these beautiful sounds. Oro. So yeah, because I'm a puro player and a kaiwaiata, mm. it means that my compositions or how we create the music that eventually becomes the song is we start with puro first. Mm, and I know that that's something different because from what I've seen of puro mixed with singers or in mainstream music is that you can tell that it's an after the fact Absolute. thing where they bring in the puro player later yeah. to just like play over what's Absolutely. already there. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that's happened for so long, yes. that puro's the plus one. Yes. So it's a kōrero, And I don't roll like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no ku te maringa nui i whakaia neo ki te mahitahi. Mm. It was a beautiful treaty partnership. It was what I called it. treaty partnership. You know, he, he tāne Māori ia, he's young as well. But, oh, he, Māori. I said he tāne Māori ia. <laughs> Mō taku he. He tāne Pākeha ia. Mm. Ngāko Māori, we'll say. Ngāko Māori. Everyone needs their treaty <laughs> <Yeah>. partner. <laughs> I've got mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we exchanged skills mm. and he worked so hard. I taught him about puro. Oh, really? And I feel like brought him into our world under my wing. And I mm. think, you know, for us, I think when you come in and you've got a mate that everyone trusts, it helps you to, like, just be yeah. in the world a bit better. So Absolutely. I feel like he came in trusted mm. because he came in with me. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, he was totally open and excited to work with Taonga Puro. And so a lot of the songs that we wrote for my album just started off as a Puro jam. Mm. Every day we came in when we were in the initial making phase, I'd check what was happening in the Maramataka and then I'd come to him and I'd tell him what moon phase it was and then we'd have a Puro jam. Mm. And then that would be how we formed the compositions that you hear on the album. Oh, what are we? So I wanted to move on. There's some corridor that I think needs to take place. Mm. And in you know, the 20 years or so that I've been studying Puro, mm. one of the things that's really evident in the practice is that it's very male-dominated. Mm. Just um, like the music industry in general. Mm. And one of the things that I always like to Kōrero about is Te Māori is all about balance. You know, yes. and, and one of the things that I'm focusing on personally is 
how do we get that balance within the Aupuru? Mm. So there are certain things within our mataranga and our cultural practices, and especially in the practice of Tangapuru, where the focus and the kawe of the kaupapa, in my personal opinion, needs to be done by our wahine. Because mm. there are certain things our wahine can do that tāne mm. can't, mm-hmm. and vice versa, it's all about that balance. Mm. But one thing I'm really keen to focus on as we move forward on this path is how we walk this path side by side with mm. tāne, with wahine, mm. and give wahine the space that they need to do the things that they do. Mm. And I think this is something that I love to call it all about and it's not talked about enough, yeah. in my opinion. One of my focuses for the next couple of years, mm. one thing that I'm going to do is learn to be a better kaitautoko of our wahine. Mm. That's a decision I've made yeah. and that's something that I really want to do. Yeah. What I wanted to do was just call it about your whakaru in the space because yeah. your experience mm. is very different from mine. Yeah, You know, probably be about the same time we've been on this journey. Yeah. And in most of that time, most of my experiences are listening to men get up and talk about stuff. Yeah. And I want to change that. Yeah. So, what's your experiences like in terms of wahine in the space? Yeah, well, my experience as a wahine in Puro is first of all, I had no wahine mentors coming mm. through. So, carving out space for myself, I would say has been really awkward mm. just because I've had to be a lot more assertive then I feel naturally mm. I've had to like find that kaha within myself, which feels awkward to do. Like yeah, I'm, you know me, I'm not a person that although I can be straight up mm. and don't mind getting down for an argument mm. <laughs> like yeah, to right. defend myself, yeah. it's not actually a natural state of my being to be really assertive and outspoken other people might not believe this, like, you're lying. <laughs> but I think I've had to cultivate this really fierce, assertive energy, mm. especially in Taupuro. Like, I had to force my way into my very first Taungapuro wānanga at Te Papa back in the day mm. because the boys were sick of people just coming in and wanting to just like, burr, 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 yeah. and then do nothing. They wanted to make sure that anyone a part of their puoro crew, and this is how I got my start, was jamming at Te Papa when mm. I worked there with Haumanuki Te Papa. And is how I eventually met my tuakana, a James Ma, Horomona Ma, was through Haumanuki Te Papa. But I had to force my way into that group. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. say this all the time, but stalk them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just be at every puoro, like jam that they had, even though I wasn't in. Invited. Yeah, I mean that that right there is the, like the, the, the main point. You know? Yeah, I had to force my way in, but I think because I'm a performer, mm. I can put on a mask and be like, I'm confident to be here. Mm. But it's been awkward, mm. and I think it's what makes me fierce as a tuakana to carve out space for wahine, so that that awkward stuff doesn't have to happen again. Yeah, like you shouldn't have to happen. No, ever. No, 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 no. Yeah, so I haven't had many wahine mentors. Until now, I feel like in the last maybe three years, I've really started to build more relationships with wahine. But that's also because we're becoming more visible to each other because mm. finally there's a bit of space for us Kilda. to see each other, mm. you know, for such a long time. People thought that only Tani could play puro. Like straight up. Then. Like mm-hmm. straight up. And even to this day, 
people think that you have to like be of a certain caliber or mm. you know be in a certain state of tapu to even touch puro so for me i'm really passionate about making space for wahine mm. i think you know that's what me and my crew my wahine crew are known for mm. and i think in terms of bringing the balance back tanema set a precedent you know have those convos with other tane how are we going to make space for wahine? Don't ask us. Mm. We'll make the space. We're ready. Just give us the space. But it's not just wahine. Takatapu need their own space. Mm. Fuka wahine, fuka tāne. You know, even if tāne had their own puoro space, like I just think that the getting together and talking amongst ourselves and our groups, and unfortunately because we live in a colonised world, we're all gendered now. Mm. So to bring the balance back, I think we need to find strength in who we are. And where you think you sit, maybe you think you don't sit in either wahine tāne or like it's not a gendered thing at all for you. Mm. But at the moment, considering that there is such an imbalance yeah, absolutely. in tau Māori in general, I think, mm. we live in a patriarchal society, but we haven't been patriarchal people. Mm. That's not our history. Yeah, so for me, it's about setting precedences and just not doing boring tokenistic stuff, like mm. actually... Talk to your boys. Be about it. <laughs> Be about it. So mm. I probably didn't put that in the most eloquent way. But. Oh, it's really, really important that we talk about these things. And one of the things that I've realised in myself and how I approach it is because I, I consciously strive to make sure that my whakaro are always towards thinking about how I can totoka wahine. Yes. But I don't think making sure my whakaro are consciously active in doing that, mm. I don't think it's enough. I've got to actually do it. Yes. And I think that's the big thing that I've been pushing within my own practice is just because I support them the way that I do doesn't mean that I actually put myself on the line to make sure. No, yeah, and I think that's important. Like how I was saying to you, I had to uncomfortably Mm. assert myself where I didn't want to. I think you might need to do that Mm, too. Absolutely. Assert yourself. And, you know, because it's not essential feminism, I don't, white feminists have ruined feminism. I mm. feel like we have manatangata in Te Māori, which is exactly what feminism is, manatangata. And it's about that, like supporting our wahine is knowing that there is a huge imbalance, not just wahine, but supporting our non-tāne folk. Mm. But I say this to you all the time, bro, as I also think that our tāne need help too. Mm. Like toxic masculinity and all that stuff, that seems like we need help. <laughs> yeah, we, we really do. You know, And I think it's, for me, it's about striving for that balance yeah. and about making sure that we actively strive for it, not just yeah. through whakaro and through, you know, this is how I feel, yeah. but actually make it happen. Yeah, so um, I think mana tangata is the way to go, just thinking of that. Mm. And hashtag guy. that's a thing. <laughs> that's a today in our houses. <laughs> hashtag guy. But it's something that I'm actively trying to practice, like mm. getting into a space and not getting shitty at the tāne and mm. tearing them down. Like that's not hashtag guy yeah. behaviour. Yeah, I don't. Like trying to not see, you know, when tāne are just annoying and take up all the space and mm. mansplain. Like me, as a fierce wahine Māori, my first instinct is to go in for a fight. Mm. <laughs> but coming back to mana tangata, whakamana, I feel like those are 
good practices to help bring back balance rather than fighting each other or trying to be like, we need this help more. We need this. Mm. Yeah, I'm here to support Tane. I'm here to support Wahine. I'm here to support those that don't identify as either. Hashtag Fakamana guy. Hashtag uh, Maori avatar. (laughs) (laughs) Unite all the nations. Unite all the nations. Well, we meet one like I think this is really important cordial for us to have. A lot of the time, as practitioners, we think about the stuff and we kind of you know, talk about it with our close peeps. Mm. But I think it's really important that we start openly talking about it and openly doing something about it. Yeah. So, before we finish up, I just wanted to go back to your practice. Yes. And one of the things that I absolutely love is the wānanga that you have with tamariki. Mm. And, you know, kia, kia whakawhanaka ia inga uh, te hunga mai titi, mm. te hunga wā, kengo kengo, mm. uh, ki nei mo māhuatanga. Mm. Tēnā kōrero mai, so talk a little bit about the mahi that you do in terms of wānanga, oro, pūrāko, but with our tātai tamariki. Mm. I love them. I was saying to you before, it's the best time to corrupt it because <laughs> And that's what Auntie Kahu does. She corrupts all the tamariki to play rocks and bones and <laughs> shells. They're just cool. That's mm. who I feel like the humans that I relate to the most are mm. tamariki. Yeah, what, what could I say? That's where my heart is. Mm. I've spent many years as a storyteller, a little bit less of recent years, you know, working with tamariki, but that's where I was made. (laughs) (laughs) I was working with tamariki. So I feel like whenever I have adults, I'm like, oh, these are a piece of cake. I can handle like 300 kids. Yeah, so storytelling for tamariki and teaching them about taonga puro, they get it, Mm, you know, like they get it. But then I've been into, you know, when you get into high schools, <laughs> which is also another one of my favourite ages, teenagers, just mm. the best. I feel like my humour does really well with oh, teenagers. But they see me, weird witch lady, <laughs> with like rocks and bones, yeah. and they're like, weird, those instruments. <laughs> but I love that energy because yeah. it makes me a trickster. And then, you know, just showing kids that bones and sticks and how they can be used as instruments. Yeah, kids get it. And my approach to wānanga is fun. Mm, I'm just fun and funny. Yeah, I think that's the important <laughs> thing too, you know, because a lot of the times when we're wānanga with adults, you've got to be serious a lot of the times. And they're just always like, it's people talking at each other. Mm. I'm a very hands-on person. That's how I learn, by making mistakes and mm, getting rough and getting into it. But yeah, I love the energy of tamariki and they're always so receptive. Adults are way more insecure, mm. so you have to work through all the insecurities, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the walls that they put up. And tamariki have a lot less of that, mm. and hence the reason why I say there's so much more fun to corrupt, <laughs> to make them into heathens. <laughs> and you'll know I have my pepe, my youngest. Mm. She's a puoro player, and far, but you know what? I'm pretty sad for her. She goes to a kura kaupapa and no one else in her mm. kura plays. Yeah. So she goes to kura. She recently got given a full case of puoro, her first ever storyteller case. Mm. And she went to school the next day to tell the mates <laughs> about it. And they were like, what? What's that? How did people tell you? But then when she's amongst our crew, eh? 
I feel like people see Piata and they're like, she is the realization of all of our dreams. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I see that girl at the front yeah. and they're waving her. We're called Feua Torua. You know, like, you know, this is. This is everything that we've dreamed about, all yes. of us collectively. Yes. And the same with my little fella, Tamihana. He's four and yep. he plays a pukaya mm. and he plays it properly. Yes. And it's the most beautiful thing that we have with this part in the journey that we're at is that these realizations, that these tamariki mokopuna that are growing up with this as an entrenched part of their mm. development, mm. this for me is an absolutely amazing Nick and beautiful level. thing. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, it didn't me here to one night. Have you anything that you wanted to add towards the end of it now? No, thank you. What a great show. You're a great interviewer. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. tēnā pai tēnā. Oh, nō reira, i mihia tūana ki a koe, ke taku hoa, uh, i toha toha mai ngā, ngā tini āhuatanga o tō mahi, uh, o tō mahi ki, ki tēnei, tēnei wānanga, o tātou, o tira o tō tāua. Mm. Uh, Kati karaka, ka whakakapia i ki te karakia. Mm. あ、Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-